You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. And in this episode, we're sharing voices from leaders in the Denver public school system. Denver continues to be a leader in providing equitable opportunities for students and families to choose where they want to go to school. Creating these ecosystem of schools has not come without challenges or issues, but listen in here to find out how DPS works to ensure the system continues to learn, grow, and change. We begin with Superintendent Tom Bosberg as he shares some background about the change in DPS. He also shares the three equities that are common amongst charters and traditional schools in the district. We made a commitment, I want to say eight or nine years ago, that we were going to try and have great public schools and it wasn't going to be, we weren't going to have a battle between district run and charter schools. That we were all going to be public schools and we were going to work together to have great public schools for our kids. And even the way we talk about it, we talk about public schools, we have public schools, some of which are district run and some of which are charter. And part of this, you know, I give a lot of credit to the charter community. We reached out and said to them, you know, we can be like it's been in here and in most districts where it's sort of a form of guerrilla war between the district sector and the charter sector, or basically you can come in and be part of the government. But being part of the government has its opportunities, but it's got its challenges. Yeah, it's got a lot of obligations in terms of policies and responsibilities and joint ownership of things. I think in a lot of places there's almost a somewhat mutually convenient standoff where the district-run schools feel the charter schools don't carry their weight in serving their highest-needs kids. And they're often right to say that. Right? In a lot of districts... Charters don't serve the same proportion of kids with disabilities. They serve no kids with severe disabilities. They don't serve the same proportion of English language learners. If a kid comes in in, in January, a highly mobile transient kid, the answer is go to your neighborhood school, which by definition is not the charter school. And meanwhile, the charters feel strongly in most places they don't get the same resources. They don't get the same access to taxpayer-owned facilities. They don't get the same access to transportation systems and other resources of the district. And we came in, we happy to share it with you. We, we spent basically a year with our charters saying, if we're going to be a community of public schools that is frankly treats all public schools the same way, what are the set of commitments that we as a district need to make and you as charters need to make in order to make that happen? And we codified it, we call our, our three equities. Uh, the first being equity of opportunity, which is we're very committed that any resource the district has, we will share equally with charters. Any resource that we have, we will share equally. Very, right? <laughs> I mean, very, because we really hadn't, you know, the district facilities were for district-run schools. And if charters, you know, that was their biggest bottleneck. They wanted, desperately wanted facilities. They had to go to the private market and get facilities. And our facilities are paid through from a, a bond process. So our district-run schools don't pay their per-pupil operating revenues for leases or capital constructions. Our charters did. Um, but that sort of, again, was a fundamental set of equities. The second part was the obligation part, which is our charter schools operate fully as public schools. They operate according to the exact same enrollment rules as district-run schools. The overwhelming majority of our charter schools serve enrollment zones, enrollment boundaries, they must take all kids to the boundary. Tom then shares the third equity, the equity of accountability, which arguably might be one of the most important pieces of the portfolio puzzle. And then the third we called equity of accountability, which we would have the exact same rules if you wanted to open a new school, if you were a district-run school or charter school. Exact same rules, exact same process, uh, exact same 
whatever. So in the last you know, eight or 10 years, we've opened about 80 uh, new schools in the district. Uh, many of them have been turnaround situations. Some of them have been in areas of growing enrollment. You know, about 55, 60% of those are district run, about 40, 45% of those are charters, and against the same rule. You know, and one of our fundamental views is charters are going to get proportionally penny for penny what the district run schools do. Well, what's the allocation methodology? What's the obligation when we've specified particular uses for the public, um, you know, around that? So we have a very regular dialogue with our, with our charter leaders where we sort of say, Again, it's sort of part of being in the government, which is there are really hard problems here and help us solve them. And, and as part of being in the government, you can't take the position of, well, this is better for the charter sector and too bad for the district-run sector. No, it's a public school sector, nor can district-run folks take the position, well, this is better for the district-run sector, sorry for the charters. Again, it's a public school sector. And, and we're committed to, to jointly, um, you know, solving solving problems and working together on issues, which every time you think you got one problem solved, you go on to the next one uh, because they, they keep coming. Tom then shares how there are common rules across schools in DPS, charter or traditional public. They work to make sure that families choose their school and exercise that right. So there are a set of programmatic rules that sometimes come into conflict with notions of autonomy. School says, I want to be able to expel that student. And sometimes we say, I'm sorry, right? We, we have a set of common rules around expulsion, and that doesn't amount to an expulsion. Um, you know, school says, well, I run this program, and I don't want to take any students after ninth grade. I'm sorry. Public schools, that's not the way public schools work. There are kids who come in 10th grade, and it can't be that some schools say we take them, and some schools say that we don't. So there's a set of really firm non-negotiables. I think, importantly, we've reached those jointly with the charter community, and we debate them, and we fight on them, and we negotiate on them, and sometimes they're really hard, right? When is a set of rules around how everyone participates as schools collide with notions of programmatic autonomy? And I'll say, the deeper you dig in these things, they're far from limited charter schools. Right? Some of our biggest fights with this district-run schools that have traditionally been schools of choice and have played by different enrollment rules, different programmatic rules, different you know, requirements. So one of the things that we do, with the exception of a school for the arts where there's an audition requirement, we've gotten away from any entry requirements to any school. Right? There are no entry requirements. There are no take a test, there's no interview, there's no, you have to hit this standard. There's, and I think that's been really, really important. And most of our charter schools, again, in most places, you have a dichotomy between boundary schools, which are effectively schools of default, which if a kid doesn't choose, they default in that school. And schools of choice, both district-run schools and charter schools. And families with more social capital are far more likely to send their kids to schools of choice. That's true for district-run schools, that's true for charter schools. And we've tried to say is no, right, that 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 exercise of social capital really leads to a segregation of income, race, academic, you know, know, academic levels, social capital. And so we've really worked hard with to have now, instead of going from many cases, one school, one boundary, one school, 
to one boundary, like the school you visit today, there are six or seven middle schools in that we call community enrollment zone. Probably half charter, half district run, and families have to choose. There's no such thing as default. You can't default into a school. If you don't choose, we find you and we make you choose. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we're speaking with leaders from Denver Public Schools. For another example of a portfolio approach, listen to the interview with David Hagland from Santa Ana in Season 1, Episode 9, the podcast titled Santa Ana USD's High-Tech, Project-Based, and STEM-Focused Lab School. You'll find this on our iTunes channel, along with over 50 additional episodes featuring ed leaders speaking on topics ranging from social-emotional learning to college readiness. While you're there, be sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And we'd love it if you consider sharing our podcast with others via whatever social networks you use. Let's get back to this podcast. We just heard from Denver Public Schools Superintendent Tom Bosberg, so let's listen now to board members Happy Haynes and Barb O'Brien as they share what part they play in making sure the community and others continue to promote change and innovation in the system. Why we are a portfolio uh, district and what it means in terms of, of, of serving our kid, our growing district. And, uh, and I think that, that the, our growth reflects what I hope is the support of our community about the direction we're going and how we are delivering uh, our services to our community. Uh, and, and fundamentally, it's a recognition that we have a very diverse population, school population, from very affluent neighborhoods to very, very poor neighborhoods and schools that are affluent to and everything in between uh, to schools that are, you know, 99% free and reduced lunch, and diverse uh, ethnically and in, in, in so many ways. We know, you know, the one-size-fits-all classroom and school model doesn't work anymore, hasn't worked, and it didn't serve us well for many years. And so when we started digging into uh, the data, uh, and that's one of our commitments as a portfolio district, is to be very driven and influenced by the data that we collect on our students and on our communities, what what their needs are. It is driven by a fundamental belief on the part of the board and the superintendent and his team that uh, decisions about how to best serve kids are best made at the school level where the services are actually delivered. And so that compels us to do lots of things uh, and think differently about how we provide services and who can do it and what a, and and it makes us think as a, as a governance team and as an administrative team how do we help those schools if they're making the decisions and they need they have needs then how do we support them so it's it's so we're turning our heads around and it's hard in a very large district like this in a bureaucracy and many people in it who've been here for you know, many, many years under the old model, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, they drive the decision making and we as a team are, are using uh, the talents and skills we have to support them in terms of research, in terms of finding best practices, in terms of setting up systems like our authorizing process. Uh, and, and, you know, we started with an authorizing process that focused on charter schools uh, that expanded to our innovation schools, um, and, and I'll, I'll make a point about those in a minute. And then now it's really an authorizing process, if you will, for all of our schools. It's 
we we set the goals and the standards, and here's you know here are the goalposts, and then schools uh, come to us and say, here's how we want to do this, and we give them our stamp of approval. Yep, that sounds like a good plan. It seems like you've got all the your ducks in a row. You you've got a good education plan. You have a plan for engaging parents. Uh, you have a plan for how you're going to manage your budget and your resources. And so, in many ways, it's it, it, the idea is we manage a d- different sets or models of schools. Some of which are charter. Some of which are our schools that have created their own charter-like. Uh, plans, which we call innovation schools, uh, and and uh, but it's it's their plan for how how are we going to move our school and and support our kids. Barb O'Brien shares that it has taken sustained leadership and connections to make the change happen. Denver is the main city of Colorado. Obviously, it's also the you know capital of the state. It's also the finance center. It's the media center. The attention on Denver is really high. And it also means that you're running into the governor or your state senator. I mean, you see each other all the time because we're all right here. And I think the ability to have a lot of informal conversations about what seems to be working and what isn't and, you know, who's kind of going off the rails and who's the best person to talk to them. It's easy to have an opinion leadership consensus about going forward because most of us are right here in this community. There really is an identity, and it really is around individual responsibility, very heavy emphasis on that, but also a real understanding that, you know, if you raise the roof, you need a community of people to come together. And so both those lines of thinking also come together around our school system. And it's been kind of a philosophical, so if charters can do a better job, you know, get out of the way and let them try. But if they can't, close the suckers down. So it's it's a little bit like a Wild West show. We're willing to tolerate failure. So it's kind of performance, but also a recognition that you kind of all have to be willing to do your part to give things especially new things, a chance to succeed. We hope our management tools that will lead to improvement are rejected by people who are tired of of kids being boiled down to numbers. And, you know, and not all the district efforts to turn around schools have been successful. I mean, we've had failures in district schools, too, so it's not as if we have a fabulous track record. But what's the path forward? And we're going down fighting if people want to start sweeping how kids are doing under the carpet again. Let's hear directly from one of these school leaders, in particular one of the charter leaders. Here is Kimberly Sia, Executive Director of KIPP Colorado Schools, with more on how that works. Here in Denver, we actually fall under the Denver Public School umbrella. And so one of The great things about being in Denver is that the district has worked really hard with charters for us to have a very collaborative relationship. And so what that means is that we have an equity in terms of the service we provide to children. So all of the charter schools um, are expected to help support our students who who are more at risk. And so that includes taking students who enroll in the district mid-year as part of our 
district-wide enrollment program. It includes having what are called center-based programs at our schools. So those are programs for our students who have the highest um, special education needs. So at our schools, we have, um, at one of our middle schools and our high schools, we have what's called an effective needs program for students with severe emotional and behavioral challenges. And that happens across charters in the district. We also have an equity of resources. So here in Denver, we have access to all of the mill levy and bond monies. So those are voted on by the voters of in the city. And then we have the same access to those funds that the traditional district schools have as well. Kimberly then shares a bit more about how it works to be a charter within the district in terms of facilities and staffing. So KIPP Colorado Schools is a 501c3. We have our own nonprofit board. The board then signs a contract with the school district. And so as an organization, we employ all of our own employees, all of the funds that the district receives come to us and we then disperse those out for curriculum technology, all of those pieces. And then we pay for transportation. We have a facility use agreement with the district. So for in, you don't have to be in a district facility, but it's really hard to find <laughs> facilities here in Denver. Um, it's just not the norm as it is in many other places for charters to either build their own facility or transform shopping center areas into facilities. So we put, we also have a contract where we pay the district for facilities. We pay a management fee to the district for some of the administrative services that they um, provide for us. And then we also, in Denver, they provide all of our special education services. There's a few places where we can opt out, but from a legal standpoint, anything that has to do with special education, the liability is still under Denver Public Schools because they get the IDEA funds um, to the district. And so that's one place, that's the only place in terms of staffing and you know, things that might be happening in the schools related to special education where we still have a say in those staff. They are on our staff, but they have input into how those hires are made. Thanks so much to Tom Bosberg, Happy Haynes, Barb O'Brien, and Kimberly Sia for agreeing to share their thoughts and expertise on the podcast today. To Tom Vanderark for some great interviews, to Emily Liebtag for producing this podcast, and to Troy Lund for mixing it all together. To hear all of our podcasts to date, subscribe to the Getting Smart Podcast channel on iTunes. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com and follow us on Twitter at getting underscore smart. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Kat signing off.